Hey everybody, it's Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast, which I know I say every time, but it's still, it's always been true. Haven't had a dud yet, and knock on, knock on this pretend wood I have over here. Um, this is uh, episode 89 with David Walker, which is really cool. Uh, David is the writer for such comics as uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, Nighthawk, Cyborg, uh, the upcoming Superb from uh, Lion's Forge. Um, or Lion Forge, I should probably know that since, yeah. Um, anyway, David was very gracious with his time to, uh, to be interviewed by me. Um, how it came about really was that I had been emailing David, I'd, I'd met him at uh, Emerald City Comic Con, we talked for a while there, and uh, I emailed him about if he was interested, and also let him know that I'm doing the event coordination uh, voluntarily for um, uh, Outsider Comics and Geek Boutique. You know, I should really know some things before I start talking about them. That would be helpful, Sam. Um, but yeah, so I had let him know about that. And if he was ever in the Seattle area, that he's more than welcome to uh, come up and do a signing or, you know, uh, do the podcast, however he wanted to play it. Um, and he just happened to be in town uh, on uh, that weekend, the weekend that we recorded this for uh, uh, the Langston Hughes Film Festival in Seattle. So after he was done giving a lecture, he came over to the shop and uh, we did uh, an hour in some change interview uh, or podcast, uh, and then he did a signing until the close of the store, which was really awesome, just to kind of sit around and or stand around for the most part and uh, listen to him just you know talk comics and talk shop. And uh, he's very insightful. Very, I mean, you'd have to be like what you'll what I've learned from David, especially, but from a lot of writers in the comic book industry is that you know the veneer of the comic book writer that kind of like awe of them, you know, really gets kind of, um, uh, not destroyed, but it is more like you get the sense of the realistic, uh, idea of what that life is like in, especially through the honesty of, of writers like David. So, um, I will let you know a couple of things. This was recorded in the back room of Outsider Comics, so there will be occasionally a, you know, kind of a dinging sound, uh, that was kind of their letting them know that people were in the shop, uh, if they happen to be in the back room. So you'll hear that occasionally. Um, as well as I think I was wearing a bracelet and the recording device was picking up on, on the little bangle kind of hitting things. So there's that. Um, I apologize, but yeah, I mean, you don't, it doesn't diminish the words that David, David is saying, um, or, or what our conversation is about. I think it's, uh, well worth your time, and yeah, occasionally you'll hear like a, something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, this is actually, this intro is being recorded on Free Comic Book Day, so please go out and, uh, support your local shops, uh, they have to pay for all of those comics, so you you should go out there and experience the shops, um, especially Outsider Comics and Geek Boutique. You know, plug! Uh, so yeah, uh, before you go and do that, you should listen to this. Or you should go do that first, then listen to this, but then that would defeat the purpose of the message. So however you're going to do it, go celebrate, you know, uh, Free Comic Book Day, and then listen to David Walker just be super awesome on this podcast, uh, this episode of That Girl with the Girls. Hungry arms. Why the hungry arms? Give me all the love. Girl, you say you want it. And I have no tricks about it. And this play I faced around me. I want you to know where they 
That's good. It's a good yeah. way to start everything. Yeah, I. That's the thing. Like I always, especially like when I'm trying to get people on the podcast, mm-hmm. it's like this fine line between trying to be the persistent, like I I feel important about my thing and I want you to you know be a part of it, but then it's like I'm sorry, I don't want to bother you. And please, <laughs> please like me. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said for that persistence, and I I I, I tell people like you're gonna have to do it with me because. Mm-hmm. You know, A, I tend to overextend myself. Um, I also am bad about writing things down. So it's like, I usually tell people, like, not only if I commit, you got to send me reminders, like regular yeah. reminders. Like, hey, T minus four days, T minus three days. Yeah. And because and, there's nothing worse than when, like, the day arrives and it's like, I, I try to get better about writing stuff in my calendar, but it just mm. doesn't work all the time. So no, I was talking my my boss and I were talking about this, like with the advent of technological advances with calendars, mm-hmm. like made it like so much easier for me to keep track of things now. Yeah, like I used to be one of those people who, when you have fewer life events going on, mm-hmm. you can kind of keep track of a couple of things <laughs> for the most part. But once more stuff keeps piling up, then you're like, crap! Now I've got to get a calendar and thing well i used to be the person my attitude was if it's important there was there was it was everything was few and far between enough that i would get a that someone would remind me i'd get a phone call or an email hey so we're still on for whenever and but now it's like there'll be five things in a day Mm -hmm. and uh and even putting in my cat like i like there's a i I, there's a vitamin i take every day Mm -hmm. in theory (laughs) And, um, but I have to put it, I had to set an alarm for it. Yeah. I, like today I didn't take it. I took, cause I didn't have it with me. It was Mm -hmm. like, what's the point? Uh, I had to get, I finally had to like hunker down and get one of those uh, pill dispenser thingies. I got one. Yeah. No. But but it ain't on me right now. It's back somewhere else. So, (laughs) so when, when my alarm started going off this morning at 1130 and I was already where I was supposed to be, it's like, oh, that's what you forgot to bring. So Yeah. There, there's always like one thing you forget when you're traveling. Like I've oh, like only one thing. Okay, right? for, yeah, okay, yeah. for you it's for like five more. But like yeah, yeah. Every time I travel, I always find that I've forgotten one thing. Yeah, like one thing that I knew I had to remember. Yeah. And then I get to wherever my destination, I'm like fuck, like I forgot that one thing. You can swear, by the way. I just okay. Did. It's so, good to know. Um, allow me to be the first one to have the sailor mouth. So. No, I figure as long as I don't forget my ID or my chargers, I'm fine. Yeah. It's, everything else um, is, is sort of open territory, but it's, yeah, I, and I have a checklist. I've lost the checklist. <laughs> I I don't, I mean, there was an, I put one on my phone at one point, but I deleted it somehow, and it just is what it is. I mean, I was scatter. I've been sort of scatterbrained forever, mm-hmm. and now it's just gotten worse, so I'm, I'm trying to... Um, build better habits, not necessarily doing a good job. Has it, uh, has it affected your writing when you, like, trying to remember, like, you, I mean, you're saying you have a lot more stuff you have to remember now and a lot more events happening in your life, so. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, one of the funny things is is I'll write, like, what I think is, a, like, an amazing scene, mm-hmm. and sometimes I catch it, 
but a lot sometimes it's it's my editor will catch me like you know you, you wrote this three issues ago this exact <laughs> or or very similar scene and you know because when you're writing comics uh you know monthly comics you're writing usually say um so like Luke Cage number 1 comes out in May mm-hmm. and I wrote that probably back in January or something like that maybe even December okay um and and so I'm working on like issue five or six right now, mm-hmm. even though issue number one hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. And so I'll lose track of what I've you know. Usually it's like a joke, mm-hmm. or or sometimes it's like even a character beat. Um. And and so I will always go back, and that's sort of the, one of the reasons why it takes me a little bit longer to write some stuff. Is like I go back and I read the last three scripts that I. Have written within that series and, mm-hmm. and I and I'm always telling myself you know if you just sat down and wrote three at a time you'd, you'd avoid some of these problems but I never seem to be able to write three at a time yeah because something gets in the way and yeah it's just easier to kind of focus on the one issue because you at least know that's okay that's something I can focus on instead of having to think two or well, three out or... well no it's just then there's another deadline and yeah. then um, for something <laughs> else and Oh, you get caught up, and and this script took longer, and so, I you know I I I had three days mapped out for it, but it took five, and so mm-hmm. now I'm two days behind on this other thing, and um, and what I'm trying to do is get better at being able to. For the longest time, I couldn't work on more than one at a time. So if I was working on Luke Cage, I I you know in the morning, in the afternoon, I couldn't jump onto working on like well I guess I can talk about it now that uh, war war for the planet of the apes yeah. that's been announced I couldn't like work on those two different books in the same day I couldn't work on two completely unrelated things in the same day mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point now where um, part of the regiment that I'm trying to get into I can do that and so you know I might spend like three or four hours working on one thing and then I get up and I do something else to sort of clear my head mm-hmm. and it might be something as simple as doing laundry or whatever. Um, and then I sit back down and do the other thing. And um, is it just a headspace thing? You're like, yeah, it's about clearing the headspace. But you know, because you know, for me, you're not only are you getting into the story, but you're getting into the characters. Mm-hmm. And and if I do work on more than one thing in a day, um, I always know that I'm going to have to go back and do some editing and some fine tuning later. The characters, their voices aren't quite there yet, and yeah. and, and so sometimes it's just sort of. Um, like placeholder dialogue you haven't you haven't mm-hmm. or it's the um the base foundation but you haven't added the spice yet gotcha is there uh so how long does it usually take you to kind of get into the character like someone you know like with luke cage you know how long did it take you to really like get luke's voice um or do you feel like you've ever found it <laughs> you know it's well it's interesting because i'm, I'm writing you know he's the same character that i was writing in power man and iron fist but the tone of those two books are different um, and so I'm having, I'm not, I'm not having problems per se, but there's such a different style of writing and there really kind of is two different voices for Luke in, in the solo series. One is the voice that he has and where he's engaging with people one-on-one, mm-hmm. but I, I wanted this to be, um, very much like a detective book, like a noir thriller. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we're going to have him narrate it. I mean... That narration is kind of a trope in comics, um, and and I was I was going to avoid it with him, and then I was like, you know, like I I, I want to turn Luke into a really complex character, 
And in comics, that com- you you really only have two choices, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's more than two choices, <laughs> and I'm just not talented enough to have figured it out yet. <laughs> but one is is the thought balloon, which I don't want to do mm-hmm. because that's played out and those never work. And then the other is, is narration, and because thought balloons have a tendency, you have to be absolutely in the moment. Yeah. Whereas narration can be, it can be, um, you know, him. Re- reflecting on something that's happened or it can be in the moment and yeah. so um when it's so it's so a part of the medium is that yeah. internal monologue yeah and especially if you're writing a noir story which is like almost predicated on the yeah. on the on the like and then she came into my world and yeah. then like that and and the funny thing is, is i don't mind reading that stuff mm-hmm. but for the most part i i don't like writing don't like writing it but it the medium lends itself to it mm-hmm. and and um it always becomes a trap because after a while it feels like it's almost like you want that first person narration maybe in your first one or two issues of a series or a story arc to really help develop the the character Mm -hmm. but then there comes a point where you don't necessarily i feel you don't necessarily need need it as much if at at all Mm -hmm. because at that point the reader knows the character and they know you and they know how you're writing that character. Mm-hmm. And then, and what you're doing is you're inviting them to fill in the blanks. Yeah. But it, it looks like bad writing. It looks like, Oh, he just stopped having the character narrate the book, you know, yeah. he got lazy or something, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's always the last thing for me that I write. It's always the last part of every the narration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter what series I'm working on, it's always the last part. I was I talked to Kyle Higgins about this like a, a, a long time ago when he was still writing Nightwing, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was telling me like you know that that opening narration where you have to like reintroduce the yeah. characters like his least favorite thing to ever write because it's like they should know by now who this guy is and I know there's that whole philosophy of like treat it like it's the first book anyone's yeah. ever read but it's like it, if you're reading issue thirty two of Nightwing well and and a lot of it goes back to the olden days you know of mm-hmm. comics. By the olden days, I mean anything before, say, the 1990s, where, <laughs> um, like, it might, even though it might be issue, like, 127 of something, it still might be the first time you're reading um, an issue of Fantastic Four or something like that. Yeah. And so you have to get the reader caught up. And, you know, I spend time doing research, reading older comics, especially from the 70s, and it's like that pattern is always there because it was like, and I remember as a kid, like... Just because you got Fantastic Four number 127 didn't mean you were going to get number 128 or 29. You might not get another issue until somewhere in the 30s because that direct market wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So you were buying your comics at like the newsstand or 7-Eleven or the drugstore and you just never, you you never know. But, um, and so I think for some people like myself, we're still conditioned to sort of think some of those thoughts, but Mm -hmm. it's like you you never want to write you know peter parker narrating or thinking you know um if i had if i'd never been bitten by that radioactive spider <laughs> yeah. and, and the person you really saw do do it really well and and i think um begin to change how that worked was was when frank miller was working on daredevil mm-hmm. especially during born again um when so when dave mazzicelli was was drawing it um like every issue there's the recap inner monologue of of, <laughs> of him being blinded and all this sort of stuff. I recall those yeah. days. <laughs> but but like the way he wrote it 
which was really interesting was um, like Matt Murdock would narrate it differently with each issue so that like mm-hmm. like his emotions were different his mood was different and so it was ref- reflected on, on how he thought about the story yeah and so um, so I I, I, I I try to bring that I try to bring a little variety to it mm-hmm. well I to cycle back to the war for the planet of the apes like mm-hmm. congratulations first Thanks. of all Matt um, was this something you have always wanted to do, like Planet of the Apes kind of storytelling? Like, were you a fan of the movies? Like back oh, yeah, there? huge, huge, <laughs> huge, 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 huge. So when um, I did, Tim Seeley and I did Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes for Dark Horse, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that came about um, Scott Alley, who's an editor over at Dark Horse, knows that I'm a huge Planet of the Apes fan. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. And, and he's a huge Planet of the Apes fan. And so he reached out to me and said, hey, we're doing this thing. Uh, Tim Seeley's already part of it. And, you know, Tim is more on the Tarzan side of things. He's more on the Burroughs side. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm a pretty big Burroughs fan too, but not like I am with Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and crossovers like that aren't normally my cup of tea. But, you know, in my mind, I, the, the thing was, was like, you may never get to write a Planet of the Apes story again. Yeah. And, and it's on the bucket list. So just say yes. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, and I've talked to a lot of other writers who've done these sort of crossovers. And, and the mentality a lot of times is, well, I'm going to do my best so it doesn't suck. Yeah. Because cause we've all read ones that are really, really terrible, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I agreed to do it. And, and, you know, there, there was definitely some challenges, um, not in a negative way, but just sort of in, in putting these two mythologies together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was having a lot of fun, especially, I was even having fun with some of the Tarzan stuff, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then did, at... Did Tim give you a new appreciation for, for well, Tarzan? Or? Well, no, Tim and I had, you know, <laughs> we both had this weird, like... Um, you know, like in, in the Burroughs books, the, the gorillas in the Burroughs books have their own spoken language, yeah, which is um, Mangani. So there's a specific race of, of intelligent speaking gorillas. And so like Tim and I were like not quite speaking Mangani with each other. Gotcha. But we were um, <laughs> like I found a, a Mangani to English translation no. online and, uh, I, you know, it was a PDF. And so it was like, and it's like, you know, three pages long. And it's like every noun and every verb you can imagine broken down into the Mangani language. Can you still remember anything from it? No, none whatsoever. I also don't remember anything from the Spanish classes that I took. So I figured, um, but so we kind of got caught up in it and we were like, okay, so should he be calling him, you know, you know, brother or um, com- or companion. You okay. know, yeah, yeah. it's like weird, ultra nerdy stuff like that. Well, then it's like if it's a higher ranking gorilla. I mean, then yeah. do you like? <laughs> yeah, and and so there was there was just so much stuff like that, and um, but so Tim and I we we had a lot of fun writing it, and then at Emerald City in 2016, mm-hmm. um, two of the editors from Boom had had you know come up to my my table and introduce themselves because this was a joint dark horse boom venture and um these editors from boom i never met said oh you know we really love what you're doing the book hadn't even come out yet (laughs) and and they said but you know we've seen the pages and we've read the scripts and it's amazing and i was like thanks i was like yeah you know i'm a huge planet of the apes fan so if there's ever anything else 
you want, I'd love to write Planet of the Apes. And they and it was like, ding, 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 the light went off. Yeah. And, um, and so they said, you know, well, do you have a story? And I was like, well, there's the story I've always wanted to tell since I was a kid, which is set in the original um, Planet of the Apes film cinematic universe with, you know, Dr. Zayas and all that stuff. Right. Um, and so, so the conversations began with that. And then at one point they came to me and said, well, you know, we're doing a war for the Planet of the Apes, you know, series too. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's it's kind of like the, the, the wish list of um, of all the childhood things that I, I loved as a kid that I wanted to do. We Like, I'm just about done with them. I mean, oh, no. there's, there's, there's a couple characters who I didn't get to write um, with any great length, but they still appeared. And I mean, like... Batman's got a couple scenes in Cyborg, and mm-hmm. so I feel like, well, I've, I've written Batman, and knowing sort of the editorial policies and the politics of, of DC, I know, well, I'll never get to write this, the Batman story I want, mm. so I can say I've written Batman. Yeah. Um, like, I think James Bond might be the last really? one. Really? Yeah. And, and, I, and I keep hounding um dynamite like give me a, give me a james bond book give me a james bond book mm-hmm. and everything else is you know hasn't been turned into a comic you know there's there's other franchises but i'm also to the point where it's like okay um you know i, I want to break off and start doing original stuff i mean i, I don't want to be too disparaging of, of writing comics but there it's you know when you're writing when you're doing work for hire and you're writing an existing intellectual property you're still writing an existing intellectual property exactly. you're not you know um there there's some people who would argue that all you're doing is 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 essentially the the highest form of fan fiction mm-hmm. um you know i'm not going to go there <laughs> um you know i mean yeah there's if, if they ever did a harry potter mm-hmm. comic book series i would want to write the uh neville longbottom comic like his version of the events that happen or just him like Either going or. through his daily life yeah I, I, I mean like I I personally think that like like I've never done like fan fiction like that mm-hmm. but but Neville is my favorite character from that world yeah and I and as it's like oh it would be amazing to read like maybe not all seven books yeah, you yeah. Know, but to read <laughs> maybe one long book that mm-hmm. sort of encompasses you know um how he feels about this whole harry potter business yeah and everything because because to me he's like i always think he's the hero of the story he's mm-hmm. really especially in the books yeah in, in the movies it comes to a little bit but he's he's the one you know mm-hmm. and, and and it's like what's it like to to not be the chosen one but to be friends with the chosen one like, well, he was <laughs> almost the chosen yeah, one. like yeah. that, that's the thing about neville is that's really when she introduced that aspect like neville could have been and yeah. then he kind of plays his role in the defeat of Voldemort yeah. and everything. No, he does. He plays a pretty big role. And mm-hmm. then, and then, you know, you know, in the those last pages of the last book, when you realize, oh, and he's the one who's who's going to carry on the tradition. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's going to, you know, do whatever he's going to do. So, yeah. Um, those are the sort of stories I think that always fascinate me. And even as a kid, sort of would spark my imagination in 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 you know what was happening in. Um, in the scenes that we didn't see, yeah, yeah, you know, with the characters that we never got to know about, you know, um, in the, in the first Planet of the Apes movie, it's like, 
hey, there's there's three astronauts who crashed. You know, one of them get, got killed and one got a lobotomy. <laughs> but what happened to the one who got the lobotomy? What? How did it? How did yeah. it lead to that? And like, I'm I'm six years old thinking about this stuff and mm-hmm. writing these stories out and, um, and 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 I'm still kind of like that when I watch, whether it's a movie or read a book or read a comic. I'm I'm always interested in the story that. That's there, but hasn't been told yet. I so as someone who has ri- uh, written fan fiction yeah. for a TV show, uh, Andromeda. I don't know if you okay. ever. I'm, I know the story. I never watched, but I know. The yeah, story, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it. It kind of slumped off in about season three. Okay, but I stuck it out the whole time. Uh, I would uh, do. I would write stories about the engineer character, who was my favorite character. Okay. And, but he was not featured as much as I would like. And yeah. so I made him kind of the main characters of all of my stories. And I was like, what's, what's Harper doing right Isn't now? Isn't it always, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how that is, too, that those characters that, that we, I think all of us have in, in one form or another, in one universe or another, there's the character that we latch on to that we really like that never has enough of a story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I mean, the most obvious one is, is Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, people, you know, characters like Sulu and Uhura, we loved them. People loved them, but they never had their full stories. Yeah. And then and then the films would show up, and, and I can't remember which film, <laughs> where Sulu's like the captain of a ship. And you're like... Oh, yeah, it's in the sixth you, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the... Um, Undiscovered Undiscovered Country, country mm-hmm. yeah. And, and like, there's this moment where you're like, yes, Sulu made captain! But then suddenly you're like... But I want to know the story of how he yeah. made captain, you know, and it's, and, and, you know. He's got a daughter too. Yeah. And yeah. Like when he's like, Sulu has a daughter? Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, all this stuff. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. What do they do in their downtime? I mean, obviously he's a fencer. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I find all that stuff, like, you know, the, that's the beginning of, of, you know, how, at least for me, the beginning of how I became a writer, you mm-hmm. know, um. And it was always wondering, asking these questions of like, you know, watching a movie or watching a TV show or reading a comic or reading a book and thinking about the characters who weren't on screen as much. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, because I never necessarily felt like, um, for lack of a better term, I never felt like the leading man mm-hmm. in life. I always felt like a supporting character. No, I know what you're talking and, about. <laughs> and, and so I always gravitate towards a supporting character, mm-hmm. you know, and so... I always find um, leading men to be kind of... I mean, personally, I always found them kind of boring. Yeah, most like, of them, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> they're so generic, milquetoast kind of guys yeah. where you're just like, oh, you're a blank slate. So, of course, everyone's going to like, oh, he's got all this and that. And, I mean, as a girl growing up, you're like, oh, there's the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. her slutty equivalent on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I either have to like one of them or choose one of the five male characters who are taking up the rest of this group. And Yeah, who do you, who do you choose to relate to? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, and it's interesting because it's, a lot of times you see there's, there's recurring the same characters over and over again. Like, you know, it was, I never realized... And I, I'm I'm an, I'm not ashamed of, to be a, a fan of the Harry Potter books or the movies, but I never realized that there was like a, a huge Neville Longbottom following until one day I just randomly posted something on on um, on Facebook. This is I think you know years ago. I don't even know if Twitter was a real thing yet or not. But I just <laughs> it was something about like who cares about Harry Neville's the man, and it was like. Everybody went nuts, and mm-hmm. there was and and the amazing thing was 
all my, you know, all these girlfriends of mine that were like, oh, that Neville's so sexy, da 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 da. And, and I'm going, I'm like, well, I didn't say nothing about Neville being sexy. I was just like, well, when the actor know, grew up, yeah, yeah. Exactly. well, yeah, he 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 did turn out to be quite the hunk, didn't mm-hmm. he? Um, but um, yeah, I just I find it interesting that it's a character like Neville, um, and 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 it, or, or again like Star Trek, um, you see it with with where a lot of people are drawn towards these these other characters Mm -hmm. and a lot of times and especially um a lot of women or a lot of people of color are drawn to some of these characters because because simply by the virtue of the fact that they're the supporting character they're already marginalized in some capacity yeah but then there's usually something about them so again in star trek it was you know or not only was uhura a woman of color and sulu was a man of color but then like spock you know, like everybody loves Spock. Why? Because because Spock was clearly the most outsider of all the outsiders. Mm-hmm. And and um, I was talking about this recently. It's like he. It's not that he has no emotion. It's that he doesn't. He he's not supposed to show that emotion. Yeah. He's not supposed to show the anger that he has over the fact that clearly Doctor McCoy is a racist. You know. <laughs> and and so. Um, Damn Vulcan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You bloody, you green-blooded hobgoblin. And I, like, as a kid, I was like, yo, like, he just basically, I mean, like, like that, you knew that, like, that was the worst thing you could call somebody. Yeah. You know, in, in the context of TV. I knew there were certain words you couldn't use on TV. For sure. But he was, you know, I was like, like, in, in you know, on Vulcan, even in their logical minds, he he is referring to Spock as the H word. Like they're not even <laughs> yeah, saying hobgoblin because, yeah. like, such a trigger. It's like it's it's worse. It's on par with Ponfar, you know, <laughs> where it's like you call somebody on Vulcan a, a hobgoblin, mm-hmm. and they like all that logic goes out the window, and they just they they'll do the neck pinch on you. So. Yeah. How did you feel um, with like the J.J. Abram reboot stuff? I mean, because. I, I mean, how much are, I guess, are you of a, a fan of the old school Trek, you know? Well, I'm a diehard fan of the old school Trek. I, I mean, on for the record, I'll say it on your show. I say it everywhere. <laughs> um, Deep Space Nine is the best of the series. Gotcha. And, and Cisco is the best captain, hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, the J.J. Abrams re- reboot that, um, was it Justin Lin directed the third one? I think it was yeah. Justin Lin. You know, they so were... Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They were they were entertaining for what they were. The first one I really liked. Mm-hmm. I I I'm not getting caught up in the well. What reality is this? And yeah, I can, it's like you know I'm the same person who watches you know an Avengers movie and then reads an Avengers comic. And when I'm reading a comic, I'm reading a comic. When I'm watching a movie, I'm watching a movie. Wait, they're I'm, not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not trying to get caught up in them being the same thing. Going back to Planet of the Apes, the the new films are not part of I'm not like a you know a canon freak I'm not gotcha. a continuity freak it's mm-hmm. like you you take it moment by moment scenario by scenario you enjoy it for what it is mm-hmm. sometimes if it works out it's um it's a really beautiful thing you know I mean I, I like going back to Harry Potter like the first you know six movies are great the first six books are great and then you get to the seventh <laughs> book and the seventh and eighth movie and it's like yeah, this is some long-winded, redundant shit. Like they're, they're that whole camping excursion. Yeah, like, like I can't. exactly. I don't need this, you know. <laughs> so, 
Um, but but you know you you t- and and I remember reading that last book, going, God, I hope they they cut some of this out. And then I was like, Oh, they made it into two movies. Nope, they didn't cut it out. You know, they're gonna make it just as long and, and agonizing, and just and, as tedious. Yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, I, I I believe in taking each thing as its own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't get I don't get too caught up in it, and and I, you know, once in a while I'll get upset about something, but it's like. Like this is like make believe. Yeah. There's there's so much more in life that you should be upset about. That if you're, uh, I have people asking me and getting upset and pissed off about stuff on Twitter mm-hmm. of me, and I'm like I'm like, have you have you ever even had sex? <laughs> you know, like like like, and and uh, and are you getting it on a regular basis? Because if you're not getting it on a regular basis, you should be more worried about that than the fact that. Iron Fist did this thing that you don't think he would ever do because you've been reading Iron Fist comics forever. You gotcha. Know? Yeah. Um, I just, but that's just me. You know? No, I I understand it. Like I even like a couple of years ago, I don't get as angry about things as I used to because yeah. like my time could be better spent somewhere else. Like yeah. quite frankly, I mean the most I think the most angry I got was after Batman versus Superman just because Oh well that's that was that movie was so bad yeah. that you had to get angry. Like to not get angry at it was like <laughs> It's like you're dead inside. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say to not get angry at Batman versus Superman is like to be a Holocaust denier. Oh, God. So that's a little extreme. But it's going there. Yeah, that's um it's not it's not quite that bad. But I mean on on just a on a purely filmmaking level, it was mm-hmm. a terrible movie. And yeah. so you you we have every right to be justified and it was, but it's, but at the same time, it was like, I ended that conversation, you know, it was like, <laughs> I had that conversation the opening weekend yeah. after I saw it and then I was kind of done with it. And then it came up again when some people, when it came out on Blu-ray and people were like, well, oh, have, you the- see, have you seen the director's cut? I was like, no. And they're like, well, you should watch that. It's and rated like, R, so it's like way more like subtle and sophisticated. Like, no, it's not. I was like, you know, unless it, there was like another twelve hours, there was no way you were going to get any anything subtle or sophisticated wedged into an extra twenty minutes. Unless Zack Snyder actually sat down in front of the camera and tried to explain every decision that yeah. was made, nothing was going to make that movie better. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, and, and and I just felt well, I've given it enough time. I've given it enough of my time. I'm not going to give it any more. And, mm-hmm. um, and and I wasn't and I wasn't upset that oh, it's it's same thing with Man of Steel. Like <sighs> you know when when he when he spoiler yeah. alert when yeah. he kills General Zod. I was like, oh, I don't give a crap that Superman killed General Zod and that it's out of character for Superman. What I care about, the fact, is, is this just isn't a good movie. See, okay, so Man of Steel is the one that I, I always go back to because yeah. it frustrates me because there is some good stuff in there. Yeah. There are things that if you actually explored the ideas, it would make a good movie. And even the like the snapping of the neck, like if you actually built up to that, I could go with you because you told a yeah. coherent story. I mean, it wouldn't be necessarily my favorite version of Superman, but at least I could be like, oh, okay, well, they set this up from the, you know, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But that's the one that frustrates me because it's like, you've given me, like, a version of Superman that is neither Superman nor Clark Kent. Yeah. He's just kind of, bleh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, ugh. It's like, and I wasn't even a big Superman person. Yeah. But that movie made me want to be, like, more invested <laughs> in Superman because there's more to him. You know, I feel. Yeah, I was just like, ah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 you know, I, I, but again, it's, again, there's, there's, 
I was more upset over the 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 money that I spent mm. and the time that I spent, yeah. and that was it. And two I was hours, like, I kick it back. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, I'm just never going to do this again, you know. Mm. And then, and then of course I saw Batman versus Superman. I felt like, well, this is trick me once, shame on you. Trick me twice, you. I'm a complete idiot. Yeah, and so when you want, you know, I want to support Wonder Woman, but it's like. I feel like it's going to be a little bit more of the same, and I want to support the character, but it's like, damn it, it's the same people, practically. Yeah, no, I'm I'm concerned about, you know, kind of concerned about Justice League, but mm. not, like, losing sleep over it. It's yeah. like, I just don't have to go. I mean, it's funny, I didn't, I didn't see the last two Wolverine movies, mm-hmm. I didn't see the last X-Men movie, and, and, and we sort of live in a time now where it's like, and, and I've reached a place where I never thought I would say I didn't go see one of these movies. Right. You know, it's like, like you went out of, I mean, the, the only movie I never, the only movie I skipped as a kid was I didn't go see the Howard the Duck movie. Oh, but, I, but I saw, every, that's not true. I didn't see Superman 3, um, the, you know, the one with Richard Pryor. I purposely stayed away from that. But for the most part, I would see anything that I could. And, and So you saw I, Superman 4 then? I can't remember if I did see Superman 4, but I did see, um, oh, I did see the, I saw the Swamp Thing movie, Wes Craven's Swamp Thing movie, so so that'll give you an idea of how committed I was. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, Superman 4 came out during what I affectionately like to recall, uh, or like to call my sex years. Gotcha. And that was after I'd lost my virginity, Mm -hmm. and certain things just did not matter anymore. Understandable. Um, yeah. So it was. Uh, <laughs> it's a very it was, long weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those things where suddenly you're like, oh, there's I could be chasing after girls, uh-huh. or I could go see Superman four. I'm gonna chase after. I mean, girls. why not both? Yeah. I mean, really. Well, back in those days, yeah, you couldn't the, afford the, you to. Know, back in those days, there was no. It was an either or proposition. Yeah. It was like you know, it was these are the days where what comic book conventions back in those days were the only women that were there were like the mothers who had been suckered into bringing their kids you know it was like um nowadays it's a completely different dynamic but yeah um i was gonna ask you about that actually because when we met at emerald city comic-con and we chatted while i was waiting for sanford to show up um which he eventually did yeah eventually yeah Yeah. and with his uh, the sweet storm picture that he'd done for me (laughs) uh but when we were talking i mean because you've been uh, i mean had you always been a con goer or was that something you kind of fell into when you became a comic book writer and like what have you oh no i've been going to cons Mm -hmm. since they were those sort of things that were in basements of hotels and masonic temples and all they were were long boxes (laughs) i went i went to my first convention in 19 uh, it was either 78 or 79. I can never remember exactly when. So it was a long, long, long time ago. I was a little kid. And, and, and there was a commercial for it on TV. That's how I, I remember mm-hmm. it was um, like, hey, kids, what are you doing this weekend? Get your parents to take you to a comic book convention at the Sheraton Hotel and, and in New York City. And I convinced my mom to take me. And um, I, I think we went, we ended up going to like two or three. Mm-hmm. And um, in a day? No, not in a day, okay. but like over the course of like two or three years, they had them, you know, and, but I remember going and meeting, um, the, the first one we went to my, my, it was my cousin and I, and we met Bob Kane. We met the co-creator of oh, Batman yeah. and it was just like, and it was literally him walking around and my cousin had a Batman belt mm-hmm. and, and he, uh, this old guy walks up to my cousin and was like, 
hey, I like that belt, kid. And my cousin was like, who is this weird old white guy? He's like, <laughs> he's like, that's, he goes, I created Batman. And we were like, what? You're not Bill Finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, so, so, you know, there was, there was that. And I remember um, like the next year meeting uh, Wendy and Richard Pinney and they had just started ElfQuest. Really? And my mom was like, had brought me over and she's like, look, isn't this cool? I had no interest in it at all. Um, but then shortly after, uh, within a year or two, like picking up my first issue of ElfQuest and really like being like, oh, wow. Like it wasn't even a comic at that point, I don't think. Yeah. I think I just remember her having a bunch of art on, on the page. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first issue would come out or something. But, um, you know, within a year or two, picking it up at a... At a um, at a regular bookstore, actually, that had like this weird. Um, it was it, it wasn't like a head shop, but it w- was like a head shop in that because mm-hmm. head shops were the only place you get underground comics. Okay, and so there was this bookstore um, when we when my mom she got a job when I was in junior high and we moved to the West Coast and there was this old bookstore and um, they had a really cool sci-fi section, but they also had a section with just underground. And alternative comics, mm-hmm. and so that was where I discovered um, the uh, Von Bodie, mm-hmm. who was like the creator of Cheech Wizard and Cobalt Sixty. That's where I discovered Underground Comics. Is where I discovered yeah. Robert Crumb and and all the stuff. And they had Elf Quest, and I'm like in seventh grade, and was like, <laughs> like you know, my mind was completely blown, and and I was like, wow, there's more to it than just X Men. This is the height of the Claremont Burn mm, mm-hmm. days and and New Teen Titans and I love that stuff, but it was like it was also like wow you can do so much more with this medium mm-hmm. and even though I I wasn't articulating myself quite that well I was just like wow this stuff's cool You're just like Ugh, yeah that yeah <laughs> <Pointing>. exactly <laughs> that's the extent of a thirteen year old category and a, yeah you know kind of like words yeah 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 <laughs> well no and that's that's interesting like because in, in terms of the medium like. Even now, there are still, like, artists who are, like, breaking the format. Yeah. Like, uh, I always loved uh, J.H. Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how he can compose, yeah. I think, you know, is, is just so amazing. Like, even um, just going back to Sanford, like, I love how he his movement, yeah. like, in, in those characters and everything and how they can just, you know, elevate the format uh, in a lot of ways is always, like, that. that's what I look forward to now. Yeah. yeah. Is, like, finding an artist and a writer combo that where it's, like, Okay, the words are great. Man, the art is like doing this, and oh my god! And... It's that combination. There's a, you know, I, I left, I, I I walked away as a reader. I walked away from comics for a considerable amount of time, and and one of the things that caused me to walk away from comics, and I've told him this countless times. I tell him this almost every time I see him was um was Kyle Baker's graphic novel Why I Hate Saturn, mm. and and it was because I read that. And I, at that time, felt I was never going to be able to read anything better. I would never read another comic or another graphic novel better than Why I Hate Saturn, which came out around 1990, 91-ish, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I have not read a better graphic novel than Why I Hate Saturn. Really? He was, Kyle Baker was so far ahead of his time, and, and and I've gotten to know him over the years, and we've talked a little bit about this. And and that it actually kind of sucks to be ahead of your time because mm-hmm. I still don't think that the medium is caught up to 
what he was doing back then. Mm-hmm. And he's still ahead of everybody, right? Yeah. And, and, um, and he's done some brilliant work. He did brilliant work before that. He's done brilliant work since then. But I think that, that was like the pinnacle of, of achievement of what we can do in the medium. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like, um, like for every, every person who's got Saga on their shelf or, or whatever it might be, Bone, any of those things that are, that are considered the pinnacles of non-traditional superhero comics. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you don't have Why I Hate Saturn on your shelf, like your shelf is incomplete. Gotcha. Like that, that's my personal, like that's my sort of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to draw a line in the sand. And I, mm-hmm. and I can sort of say that with a, a certain amount of arrogance because nobody has it on their shelves. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's one of those books where. Well, you are um, from Portland. I mean. <laughs> well, it was, it, the book was actually sent to me by um, this woman. I was, I was, I don't know. I, I you know, was I dating her? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was, she lived, uh, she was in New York. We'd met in New York and. I had moved back to Portland and, and this was still in the days when you wrote letters, you know, and, and she sent me a letter and she was like, you got to read this book. It's the greatest thing. And, and send it back to me when you're done. And I like, <laughs> I never sent it back to her, which might explain why, um, that was why the relationship that, why killer, the, why the relationship ended. <laughs> um, I'm still friends with her now, nearly 30 years later. So we're, yeah. we're good. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I think that that's a, a, an amazing accomplishment in what comics can do and, mm-hmm. and 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 Kyle was was pushing the medium maybe further than it's ever been pushed um you know and 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 that's where he earned his place I think even more so than the Co- Cowboy Wally show which came before that yeah um it's where he earned his place with Will Eisner I think he's he's up there on that level of greatness really yeah. that's just you know that's just me he would argue the point with me I would be right, he would be wrong. So. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the thing. There's always going to be a, a piece of work that, like, hits you where you live. Yeah. Like, it just kind of touches you in a way that you weren't expecting sometimes. I mean, in a good way, not in yeah. a bad touch way. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because, I mean, I didn't get into comics until I was in college. Okay. You know, it was something to kind of take my mind off of. I was, re- I was a history major. Okay. So it was something to kind of not be historical in a okay. sense, but you know, I could like go there and like, okay, what's Batman doing right now? So it's, I don't it's a different for- form of nerdy. So it's you a di- were, yeah. You were, you were a nerd by by every by standard. Fate. Yes. yes. You had no, no. You were a history major. I mean, <laughs> American the, history. Yeah, the only yeah. way you could be nerdier is if like you were a chemistry major or something like that. I did like chemistry. So there you go. You were. Eh, that's two strikes, and then you're like, <laughs> "Let's read comics. Let's see if I can just go for." Um, and then I tr- well no because I tried to like find a way to combine the two at one yeah. point because with my with my uh, graduate degree we you, know, you have to write a thesis yeah and I was like how can I put archives and comic books together yeah and i tried to pitch it to my advisor and he just wasn't having it he's like let's try to focus on more of a film you know something that's, else well that's okay you, your advisor is full of crap well he's one of the leading guys in this industry so. <laughs> i would i would take his ass to columbus ohio okay to the billy ireland comic museum right? and library yeah. and go that this is like this is the importance of history and archivism, mm-hmm. and and this is how it relates to comics. Um, there's not a lot of reasons to go to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> the Billy Ireland Museum and and library is is like 
there's no other way to say it other than it's fucking amazing. When I first got into the profession, um, there was actually a job opening there, yeah. but I was only like, I was barely a year into being an archivist. Yeah. So I was like, I, there's no way, there's yeah. just no way I'm going to be able to get this job. But it's like everything that they were talking about. Yeah. Like I, what me, me, me there, there now. <laughs> Even if you just go just to visit, like mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely amazing. I was there like two years ago and, um, in the museum part, there's an old uh, drawing table, and it's it's the drawing table Chester Gould drew every single Dick Tracy strip on. Wow. And there's this, on the right side of it, it's all blackened and charred. Mm-hmm. And um, he would, you know, he would ink the strip by hand, and then he would strike a match and hold the match over the page so that the ink would dry quicker. Oh, and wow. so this blackened, charred mass was mm-hmm. from... This is how he got his ink to dry faster. That's and, so cool. I mean, and just that little thing. But, um, yeah, all of this, there's so much history in, in comics. And and the, the problem is, is that it's not recognized as being a legitimate art form mm-hmm. by so many people. And, and um, I just went to a lecture on George Harriman, the creator of Crazy Cat, and it was like, like you should be like like they should be studying his life his mm-hmm. career and and his his body of work as its own college course yeah will eisner is his own college course definitely you know? um and and but to not recognize that is um you know but i i, I not only is it a travesty in, of within the world of academia i think it also speaks to part of the problem that's kept the comic industry from growing in the ways that it needs to grow. No, and I, I agree. I mean, when when I was trying to pitch this idea to him, you know, I was just like, you know, comics as a whole are are not created in a vacuum. They're yeah. products of their time. Yeah. You can look at it and see, like, the politics uh, of what was going on, like the sexual politics, the yeah. racial politics, the slang. I mean, like, trying to see a bunch of white people try to write slang yeah, is yeah, interesting. It's, it's always... Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you, you guys don't know how people talk, do you? Uh, but like, those are the things that fascinate me. I mean, you could, you can chart the progress of, you know, like women's lib through Lois Lane if you wanted to, you know? Um, and those are the things that fascinate me because they are entirely like a, you know, a a time capsule that you can reflect on and, you know, cause art imitates the world it's created in. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah, it's like one of those things that's still a sticking point with me. Is like I managed to fit a Spider-Man reference in there. Okay. So <laughs> I still win on some level, but <laughs> not entirely yet. I had a professor. This was for undergrad where um, I had to write a, a paper. I can't even remember what course it was for, <laughs> and um, I think it was a research paper or whatever. And we we had the entire term to write one paper. Yeah. And, and, but my thesis was that the American superhero is, you know, the, is, these are the new gods. This is the new mythology. This Mm -hmm. is the, and one of my advisors was like a philosophy, mythology, PhD. And she was like, there is no such thing as new mythology. There, it can't be. And I was like, did it And I was like, well, you're wrong. And I wrote the paper and mm-hmm. got an A. And she was like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, and, and, but I was, and, and I was saying that, you know, 
and I say this all the time, like the, the movies that we're seeing now, obviously they're, they're really just an exploitation of, of an intellectual property, but we're also, we're actually witnessing um, the evolution of, for lack of a better term, a new religion because, mm-hmm. because religion is based, a lot of it is based in myth and mythology and it's, and it's about the human condition and how do we explain our existence mm-hmm. and how do we create morality tales that, that, that sort of guide us in, in one direction or another. Mm-hmm. And, and these, you know, these superhero movies, which are an offshoot of the, you know, American superhero, comic book superhero, mm-hmm. are all, you know, these these sort of... Um, they're, they're these deities. They're the, you know, they're... If you, Paragons. If you, yeah, you, you look at the archetypes. There's, you know, they're the gods. They're the gods who are cast out from heaven. They're the mortal... They are the mortals who consort with the gods. Mm-hmm. Where We see all of them and all these superheroes. They're, they're classic characters that have been around for thousands of years. They've just taken on a new form. Yeah. And, and that, that form, which was originally comics... Um, film and the technology of making film has finally caught up mm-hmm. and and there's enough filmmakers that were bold enough to go yeah we actually can do this yeah. you know and it was because you know for years it was like well none of this stuff you know no one wants to see characters in costumes like this doing these things and I was like yeah even as a kid that sounded ridiculous to me and then I remember watching you know seeing the original Robocop mm-hmm. Paul Verhoeven's Robocop and yeah and just being like okay so how is this different than than like Deathlock the demolisher or you know whatever <laughs> Ron um, the space Knight. yeah Ron, and 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 how are the star wars movies any different than what we're already seeing but it was like this notion that if if it appeared in comics first it somehow it was illegitimate yeah and 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 now it has a legitimacy and you know we are some of us are paying the price you know with, with movies like batman versus superman but there's other ones that are that are plenty entertaining for what they are. Oh so. yeah, I mean, I've I've been like advocating for a, you know, I I really want a Jack Kirby Fourth World movie. Yeah, like I have Barda on my arm. Okay, like she's uh, one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Like more so than any of them. I'm like big Barda. I want to see her on the big screen. <laughs> I'm just not sure WB would uh, would do it correctly. <laughs> No, or in a way that I'd be satisfied with. Well, that's the thing. Would you be satisfied? It's like you know, I think it'd be a good TV series, yeah, or, or like you know, a Netflix sort of thing. But, um, you know, yeah, and, and sometimes you just have to let your expectations go. And and I, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I remember um, watching. Like I was actually one of those people who read Hunger Games, like right in the beginning. Yeah, you know, and so got read the second book and it was during a phase in my life where I was studying a lot of YA fiction I was writing my first book mm-hmm. and um you know and so you know I got the second book the day it came out and I got the third book the day it came out yeah and they were making when I found out they were making a movie I was like great and then they cast Jennifer Lawrence and I was like what <laughs> and I still am like what you know Why? And it's, it's it's um you know it is what it is mm-hmm. and and then you just got to go okay I I'm gonna let this go, and just try to enjoy this movie for what it is. Yeah, and you know, how did that work out with the first one? Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I've only seen it once. Mm-hmm. I've I saw the second one once, and I haven't seen the, um, the Mockingjay two part at mm-hmm. all. So clearly, it didn't do much for me. It was one of those things like 
I remember reading the descriptions of some of the characters going, oh, this this would look so stupid, you know, yeah. like uh, some some of the ways Suzanne Collins described how they were dressed and things like that. Yeah. And then and then I was like, oh, they did it. Yeah. Stanley Tucci looks exactly as ridiculous as I imagined him as looking. But and he sells it so well. Yeah. Like, he's Of the character actors, you've like, if Stanley Tucci's doing something, you're like, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, well, and... And he's a great actor, but mm. yeah, I, I... Did you ever see Undercover Blues? Ah, oh, did I ever see Undercover Blues? It was Blues? Dennis Quaid and uh, Kathleen Turner playing spies, and they have a baby. Oh, I know the movie you're talking yeah. about. I never saw it. Oh, no, I never Stanley saw it. Stanley Tucci plays like they're like a kind of a, an ancillary bad guy okay. named Muerte, and every time he says that, they do like da 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 you know, kind of thing, which yeah. <laughs> but then they... He, they just know he's not a threat, so yeah. the whole time Dennis Quaid's like, "Well, hey, Marty, how you doing?" And he's like, "No, it is Muerte," and then they do the whole thing. But he's really entertaining, and he okay. sells it so well. <laughs> like... Well, Stanley Tucci's—he—he—he's one of those people that can make something bearable, mm-hmm. even if yes. it's unbearable. That's so. Very true. <laughs> but it's always—it's always comforting to find an actor like that, yeah. especially if it's in a movie that you—you're already already kind of going into it thinking it's not going to be great. Yeah. But then you like. Suddenly, Stanley Tucci shows up. You're like, oh, okay. I'm at least going to enjoy this portion. Like, I feel the same way about John Turturro sometimes. Like, whenever I see him, except in the Transformers movies, I haven't, you know, it's not doing it for me. But Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think that... Uh, he, even he can't elevate that. Yeah, no, there's no saving that. You could have had him and Harry Dean Stanton and <sighs> Warren Oates could have come back from the grave and... Um, there's there there was no salvaging the Transformers movies. No, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I see. I didn't feel as strongly about those ones. Like Transformers weren't exactly my jam, but right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were. Okay. So when that first movie came out with the um, Michael Bay influence. Oh, that was. You're not talking about the old one. No, from I the love other... the old one. The okay, yeah, the yeah. 1991. My sister yeah. and I. I was actually talking about this on the the last podcast too. But we we kind of like put it in a couple of years back to be like let's just watch it let's just watch yeah. it and let's let's and we were like this is still good it's still like, cool. yeah we still love it I think and... the sec- they they made like three of them if I remember yeah. I don't think the second or third one held up but I remember <laughs> um, the first one my friends going to see it and going man you got to check this out I was like no I'm not checking it out I was like isn't and I think I was like. Didn't Corey Feldman do the voice of one of them or yep, something like Donatello. that? Donatello. Yeah, and, and they were like, no, no, it's really good. And so I went and saw it, and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Right? So, um, it's dark enough, yeah. but it's still got the humor going. Like, I, I, but I didn't see the new ones. I haven't oh, seen... I saw the first one, and I don't, I don't even know why I did it. Yeah. I don't know if it was just a you know, glutton for punishment. Because you're a nerd. I Absolutely. guess, yeah. Just admit it. Like, yeah, like no, I, love, I, I, love, I love when people like you go, I, I don't know why I did this, because you're a nerd. Yeah, okay. That's, you know, I don't deny that I'm a nerd. I mean, Christ, I've got yeah, tattoos yeah, all over me yeah. that probably speak to that fact. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more or less like I knew going in, it probably wasn't going to be good yeah. because it's Michael Bay. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got Megan Fox, unfortunately, playing April O'Neil, it's like, I don't, nope, <laughs> it's not doing it for me, guys. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know, I like I saw the first Transformers movie, mm-hmm. and I tell people the reason I saw that movie was because it came out like Fourth of July weekend. Mm-hmm. We were having a heat wave, <laughs> and I was like, I need to go someplace air conditioned. Yeah, I drove to the nearest movie theater, and I was like, I'm just gonna go see whatever the first thing is is that's showing, <laughs> and it was Transformers, and I was like, you know, and to this day, I'm like, the most pleasant 
experience, part of the movie was the fact that it was air conditioned. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I remember thinking, the, the only thing I remember about the movie was that um, the first time, you know, one of the vehicles transformed into a transformer, I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And then, like, by the 500th time they were doing it in the movie, I was like, <laughs> I don't care anymore. Yeah. I, but I, but I, but I somehow I, took I, the I, magic I, out of it. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I did not want that movie to end because it was like probably 102 degrees <laughs> out that day. And I was like, I could sit and watch this for like another eight hours. Because at least uh, I'd be cool enough. <laughs> yeah, at least I would be cool. I mean, the only, I don't know if, it, if it's, if it could, I don't know if you could have made a worse movie. Um, the, it's, it's, there's, there's like two or three other filmmakers that, that would have been in the running. You know, Roland Emmerich is one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, oh, yeah, no, maybe, I don't know if there's anyone. Oh, and Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder could have made, made a worse Possibly. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Be a lot of slow mo. Yeah. Um. And, and it would have been like, no, and there would have been like some sort of weird psychosexual whatever i don't know some in- inception style like uh like i so the first time i ever saw sucker punch mm-hmm. not even kidding i was texting a friend of mine while i'm watching it and i'm like 10 minutes in and i'm just like it's 10 minutes into this movie and i already hate it like it's just i didn't even go see it i was Ugh. like there's no point in seeing this i i've hit a point in my life where it's like i'm one of those people where if if you're holding something and you go, does this smell funny? <laughs> I don't take a whiff of it. I, I'm like, it probably does. If yep. you think it smells funny, let's just go with it. I'm going to trust you right yeah, there. Yeah, like you're, yeah. I, I assume it does. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously, you have to smell like, nope, not doing it. Yeah. It's not happening. It's not going to be. Not today. Well, Sorry. And so. it feels like that. It's like sometimes with... And it depends on the individual, obviously. Yeah. Like this mellowing out, like as I don't know if it's a maturity thing or if it's just like you you figure out like I don't need to be spending all of my time on this, yeah. you know. And you know, kind of going back to what we were saying before, it's like why spend all that energy yeah. when I could be maybe doing something more, you know, creative with it, yeah, you know? or, or just more positive. I could be, I could like join like you know whatever my neighborhood. Um, community garden or right. I could become a you know a foster parent or there's a million <laughs> things I could do that that you know instead of sitting around and complaining about how much I can't stand you know Michael Bay movies yeah. it's like you know that those two hours a week that you spend mm-hmm. watching crappy movies or every Saturday it's like join Big Brothers Big Sisters right. and then and then at the very least if you're going to go see those crappy movies you take a kid who wouldn't normally get to go, although I would argue you're rotting their brain. Possibly. So really, like, take them bowling or golfing or, mm-hmm. again, start a garden. There's a million things you can do. You don't, there's no one's forcing us to do. That's the thing that gets me is, mm-hmm. is um, you know, like the people, oh, uh, that movie looks like crap. I'm going to go see it anyway. It's like... <laughs> You realize how stupid you sound when yeah. you say that, but people do it all the time. Yeah, you will never hear me go. That movie looks like crap. I'm gonna go see it. The only time that that happens is if someone else bought the ticket, which yeah. is that's what happened with Batman versus Superman. Was I was like, man, this movie looks like crap. There's no way I'm gonna go see it. And and my cousin, 
I, I was down in LA that the weekend it opened. He's like, "Hey, guess what? I got us tickets to." I was like, "Dude, you didn't." He was like, "He was like, this is gonna be so bad." And uh, this is a true story. So we're sitting in the theater and we're watching it. And I, I like at some point, like you know, you know when it's so bad you, you don't even bother whispering, right? Yeah. And, and you're just, you don't care if everyone else hears you. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I, I look over at him. I go, I "Go, man, this is this is the worst movie ever made." And <laughs> And he goes, and this is exactly what it is. He goes, he goes, huh? He goes, I have to disagree. I would say 1990, The Bronx Warriors is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> and then I, and, and without pausing, I go, the fact that you had to go to 1990, The Bronx Warriors, <laughs> tells me that this movie is actually worse. And he was like, okay, you might be right. And because because if you if if you, anyone listening has never seen. 1990 The Bronx Warriors directed by Enzo Castellari mm-hmm. starring um, Vic Morrow and Fred Williamson and a guy <laughs> named Mark Gregory um, it is abysmal the only movie that's worse than it is the sequel Escape from the Bronx these are all ripoffs of you know Escape from New York and the Warriors and all this stuff of the late 70s early 80s yeah um, but as bad as that movie is and, and this is my argument. This is, and my cousin and I actually argued after the movie was over. We were. I was like, there was never a moment in 1990, The Bronx Warriors, there was never the, who's Martha? Why did you say Martha? So that in and of itself, but I was like, like, Bronx Warriors is bad from beginning to end. Uh-huh. But it's a consistent level. It's like this table that we're we're mm-hmm. we're sitting at right now. It's it's fairly smooth. Mm-hmm. There's no hills. There's no valleys. It's a very plateau. It's, it's just a regular, crappy movie. Mm-hmm. But there's some movies they just jump all over the place, and it's like a roller coaster of bad. Yeah. And then you know you're like tricked for like 15 minutes, and go, oh, this might be kind of cool. And it's like, uh, you know, I was like, dude, like, there is, oh, just. Thinking about it just gets me angry. <laughs> just gets me so... Who's Martha? When we got to that point, I was like... I actually... I yelled. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is... Oh, hey. Oh, you both have a mom named Martha? <gasps> and then there's people who, who try to argue that. Like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? Try arguing with this. And, and <laughs> I look for the nearest blunt object and hit him in the face with it. There we go. Man, I wish I could use that on a lot more people. <laughs> No, because I, I went and saw it with a friend of mine yeah. because she's on the same level of nerdiness as me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I know that we'll probably be on the same page about this. We get out and we spend like a two hour like dinner drink session just being like, okay, we need to like figure out what's happening here. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like a, it's a movie that makes you think, but in the wrong way where you're just mostly trying to piece together all the things that don't work. And try to understand why they thought that did work. <laughs> I just, look, all I needed was, who's Martha? Who's Martha? Mm-hmm. And my other thing was when when he when when Bruce Wayne opened up that file that he found and there was the oh with all the uh, yeah and promos. I, was like, I was like there was two things one was everybody in the theater around us we were surrounded by a bunch of teenagers they're all like who's that what's going on who's that but I was I was like um, every single one of these sequences is supposed to make us want to see the movie more yeah or the next movie more or mm-hmm. the Justice League whatever it is. We're supposed to be excited. It's like, I was like, remember in, you know, whatever it was, and I think it was the Avengers movie when they said, 
you know, they mentioned Stephen Strange by name, and everyone, you were yeah, like, yeah. Like, Ooh, they said Stephen Strange. Yeah, they yeah. Doctor Strange. Oh my God. Oh my God. They're going to be And it was like, I'm looking at Aquaman, and I give a shit. I'm thinking to myself, Patrick Duffy was better in The Man from Atlantis, you know, so um, it, it was what it was, and and I, 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 I probably lost every shot I have of ever getting a job in any other job at Warner Brothers at this point for talking this much crap, but... No, they're um, not listening to this. Yeah. Oh, you, you'd be amazed what people listen to. It's yeah. like, like, you, like, on, you know, the creator side of things mm-hmm. it'll just like you'll get a, a message whether it's an email or a text or something on twitter and they're like dude did you listen to this one and it's these <laughs> podcasts you're like i've never even heard of this podcast i've never heard of this blog and it's like like this stuff gets out there okay. you know i told i told this to somebody the other day i, I i'm not gonna say who it was but okay. i said um they reached out to me on twitter about something and i'd met them personally and i was like if you knew how hated you are, and they were, and I, and they were like, "What do you mean?" And I go, "Look, look, I have talked to other creators who just can't stand you," and oh. and and they were they were excited. They were like, because they were excited that you were hated. That no, that they were hated. That they were hated. Okay, and and, and because that's sort of what they go out of their way to try to be, and they're you know very, um, you know, sort of they, they're very hyperbolic in, in the things that they say and. Mm-hmm. and and, and try to rankle feathers, but they really thought nobody was reading them. And I oh. was like, no, you're, you're being read. And, and, and I've actually just known this person for a long time. So I was like, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's, and, and I said, you know, it's to a point now where I don't defend you mm-hmm. because you really are the, the, the asshole that you are online is not the asshole that you are in real life. There's a persona that you've adopted, Yeah, but it's, it's that effective that, like people can't stand you, and they, oh, wow. wow, you know. So, you, you, you just never know who's paying attention or where, where you know, or how just, they stumble across it. I just can't, I can't fathom liking the idea that people like think you're an asshole and hate you. I mean, that's that's just something. I mean, not that I want everyone to love me or like me, but <laughs> but it's just like when you're cultivating a persona of I'm just a dick and an asshole. It's like... Yeah, but there's... But hey, that's... I guess there's power in that. Howard Stern, Rush Limbaugh. That's You true. know, there's, there's people... There's, there's the entire you know, culture built around that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had... I've, I've been accused of being unpleasant and I, and I can't <laughs> deny it, you know, especially my during my years working in, as a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just is what it is. Yeah. You know, so... Okay. Well, we're at a we're at a little over an hour and okay. about ten minutes away before you're signing. Oh, okay. So I think we'll probably have to wrap it up. All right. But uh, just so people uh, know where they can find you, should they wish to contact you and tell you what a <laughs> awesome or terrible individual you are, uh, where might they do that? Uh, you know, the best place is is probably Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter, David Walker twelve zero one, and I have a, I have a couple websites that I do not maintain ever at all um but uh one of them is badassmofo.com b-a-d-a-z-z-m-o-f-o all one word dot com and and at some point i'll i'll probably relaunch all that stuff but it's just i mean i'm so busy and and it sounds like a god it sounds like such a dicky thing so i'm so busy i don't have time to do my blog or to respond to people online but it, it just really is sort of a 
when it rains it pours sort of thing mm-hmm. and and there's just you know fortunately knock on wood there's there's a fair amount of work right now mm-hmm. and um and there's there's a there's a, a big project that's um it's not going to be out till sometime like in 2019 mm. but it's but it's like that big yeah. and it's and I'm working on it now huge and, development phase yeah and and it's um and it's and it's great but it's it's also like god I can't talk about this thing for a year and yeah. you just sort of feel like you know there's a solitary feeling at times when it's like yep I've signed this non-disclosure agreement I don't even have a, a dog or a cat that I can share this with oh, so you no. just you just you know you just sort of sit there and and you realize too that you know there's there's people that are your close friends mm-hmm. that um even within the industry who you just start talking and and you let and, and if you're not careful you might let something slip mm-hmm. and you're like oh you know whatever you do don't say anything about it and they're like don't worry I won't say anything about it and then inevitably they let it slip yep and then the next thing you know you're getting a call from an editor no. and you're like so I heard you were saying yada da 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 da, and I was like, I, I had that happen once where I was like, and I can't even trace back where it came from. That yeah. was a thing, and I was like, you know, and and I, and I shouldn't, and I, I should rephrase that because I actually do think I know where I can trace it back from. Yeah, and that's the thing that bothers me the most because mm-hmm. it means I said something to this person in confidence. And they said something to somebody else. Yeah. And and it was like, like a huge blow to your trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, then an already paranoid person has become more paranoid. So it's like it's not paranoia if it actually happens. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I tell people all the time. <laughs> that was my roommate in college is a favorite thing to say. It's like it's not paranoia if it's true. Yep. Uh so and, and also this is gonna go out next Friday. Okay. So what would you like to promote book wise or if there's a film coming out you'd like to promote or anything like oh, that? God, I don't know what's next Friday is um well Luke Cage number one is coming up pretty soon. That's in um in like mid May. Mm-hmm. And and then Occupy Avengers number seven, I guess, is going to be out. Okay. I, I lose track of all this stuff. I think number six just came out. Yeah, so number seven, Occupy Avengers number seven will come out. And mm-hmm. that's, um, in fact, I have the lettering proof waiting for me on the computer. I need to go deal with that this weekend. Yeah. So, so those are the two things that are coming out um, in the month of May. And then um, both of those titles will be back out again in June. Then July, you can throw in War for the Planet of the Apes into the mix. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, July is also going to be a book called Superb, which is coming out through Lion Forge. Nice. Um, and and then towards the end of the year is when stuff that I can't talk about will start coming out. And there's going to be, I think there's, I think there'll be at least one announcement at San Diego Comic-Con, perhaps two. Um, and we'll just see. But it's just like... You know, you, it's like you, you, there comes a point where you're like, I just, I'm sorry, I, I can't be honest with you about stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. and you're like that with everybody. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just not going to tell you all the truth. That's no, I'm, I'm all about gotcha journalism. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to catch you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming thank on you. the show. Much, and I'm yeah. glad we could do this. And yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll just end it there. Cool. Please don't knock over my heart. Cause my Don't worry about tomorrow